Hey everybody, TTRPG Academy here. Um, we're going to be doing a new podcast series called A Blast from the Past. Um, what, you know, if you ever watch um, Captain Courageous and some of the others that are looking at the retro stuff, um, they go into very huge amounts of detail about playing the retro stuff. And I'm not really going to do that. I think there's plenty of others out there doing that. I'm going to try to focus more on, you know, where the history of all this began. You know, um, and when I say all of this, I mean, obviously we're D&D centric to a certain degree, because right now many would um, state that we're kind of in a D&D golden age period, um, maybe even a tabletop golden age period with all the um, advantages of Kickstarter and some of the other ways that uh, games are coming into existence. The advent of online play coming into existence uh, by the way one of the things you could really do to support this podcast if you could uh you know if you can afford a buck throw us a dollar throw us a coffee i don't monetize much at all uh, my main career right now the main thing i do is i'm a professional pay-to-play dm um and one of my favorite things to do is just chat up with people that are looking to learn how to play so please if you can help please do so the first book we're actually going to take a look at um is a very old book uh it's a one of three sets um it's authored by uh guy gaxon arneson now there's a whole you know uh biopic conversation you can have about the two individuals that you know produced this um and and the book is called dungeons and dragons rules for fantastic medieval war games Campaigns playable with paper and pencil and miniature figures. Um, Men and Magic, volume one of three. Men and Magic, published in 1975, so there's obviously some cultural distinctions, gender distinctions, uh, political, as well as pop culture distinctions of what was going on in the 70s. Now, this was published in 75, so my guess is, based on all the historical stuff I've read, as well as a lot of the, the biopics and um, uh, some of the video and other creator content about the history of Arneson and Gygax, one or two years in the works um, since a previous publication they did called Chainmail, which I may do a bit on Chainmail, I don't know. Um, that's going way back even further. Um, but if you wanted to timestamp this book as 1975, uh, for all intents and purposes, yeah, we're over, we're over 40 plus, folks. I mean, it's it's been around for a while, many iterations, and but there's a starting point to everything, right? There's a place that we start. There's a place where these games that we love to play. If you haven't played them yet, um, hopefully this will encourage you to um, get started because playing games is important i think to us as a culture um the collaboration i've learned over time the ability to write organize my thoughts run multiple games create worlds and offer up opportunities to not only play with friends and families but use it as a way to meet new people so i i really think studying our past is important and just taking a look at it at a not a super kind of like detailed level, but at a level that allows us to understand what was going on, how it influenced its origins and where it's come to, like where it's, you know, turned into. 
Plus, it's a really good way of looking at, you know, what was in the mind of creators in 75 when they published this thing with the idea of, okay, you know, we've played a lot of Avalon Hill games and tabletop war games, and then we built Chainmail. Now, what can we build that's, you know, um, a, a fantastical miniature, you know, paper and pencil game? And this is the origin of it all. This is the one that was published. And I'll be doing a series of recordings on this. The, the way they had the book broken down, there's a foreword, and I'm going to read the entire foreword. And then I'm going to read certain sections because they never, they don't have chapters. There's not really a traditional appendix. There's just kind of a list of available books that you could, that you could purchase. Now, this book was originally purchased, um, I believe in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin at the TSR Hobbies Inc. store. Um, it's got a little wear and tear on it, but I'm going to organize it in a couple different readouts. I'm going to... Um, it's it's only 36 pages, which is important, right? I mean, it's only 36 pages. It is part of a three-volume book. I currently have the first two volumes. I am trying my best to try to dig up volume three through the collector's world. Um, volume two being uh, the underworld and wilderness adventures right so the you know uh, the third volume I do not have or if I do I don't know where I put it um, so I may have to PDF read the third volume but I really think feel like these three companions these three are worth taking a look at and understanding what was going on at the time that this was built and structured and created and how they organized their thoughts because i think it's very influential to note the limitations that they put upon themselves by being very kind of male-centric in their writing and the avoidance of inclusion to a certain degree they tackled it from a male perspective and a male world of their of their knowing I don't agree with it. I just plainly don't agree with it. All my tables are integrated. I have, my girlfriend is an amazing player. Um, I have at least, of the 11 campaigns I currently run, every single table is fully integrated. And I think it's important to have an integrated table, but it's not a criticism. That's just a transparent look at what they were working with, the mindset they were in, what they thought was what they wanted. I don't agree with that thought back then. Even back then, when I was young, I enjoyed playing D&D when I was nine, and there were uh, integrated tables I was playing with even back then, 40 plus years ago. So there's been enough conversation in the social schism about that cultural reality. So what I'm going to focus on in the next few parts of this podcast is just the history. Um, and we're going to read the books in verbatim so that we can kind of try to get an understanding of what they were trying to do with this. What was their focus? What was their goal? So with that, we're going to read the forward. Well, I'm actually going to read. Um, so here's the thing. The one I have is the fourth printing of the book. So the original book came out in 71. I just realized I'm looking at my notes. Um, so I have a fourth printed version of this book. The original one came out in 71. 
I believe Chainmail came out in the late 60s. So somewhere between Chainmail and 71, they were doing their final write of the book. It came out in 71. They printed it for a few years. Um, and I have the fourth printing. Um, and it's interesting to read, right? So you've got the first page, which technically isn't marked as a first page, but it should be. Um, so Dungeons and Dragons, volume one, Men and Magic by Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. Dedicated to all the fantasy war gamers who have enthusiastically played and expanded upon the Chainmail Fantasy Rules, which is the origin of this series, the original. Um, with thanks and gratitude, there is something better. Special thanks to the Midwest Military um, Simulator. Uh, they're going on, um, uh, you know, the Lake Geneva um, Tactical uh, Studies Association. Rob Kunitz and uh, looks like uh, Tom Kogue in memoriam. Um, so clearly, they were still very much focused on strategy play. I mean, everybody that was helping them, special thanks. Their focus was still kind of in the mindset of strategy play. Um, and of course, TSR, Tactical uh, Studies Rules, which I think is important to understand. Um, oh, they do have an index. It's not a table of contents. They call it an index is what they call it. Just rearranging my notes. Sorry for the delay. I don't edit my podcasts. I'm not one of those folks. If I take a pause because I'm drinking water, which I just did, and I wanted to go to a different page of my notes um, that I had forgotten about. Let's see. So, the index is broken into the introduction, the scope, equipment, preparations for the campaign, characters, determination of abilities, languages, non-player characters, basic equipment and costs, encumbrance, weight and equivalents, levels and number of experience points necessary to attain them, statistics, statistics regarding class. So what's interesting is they're already playing around with the analytics and data of the of the different classes they're going to make available, which I think is pretty interesting. An alternative combat system, saving throw matrix, spells table. At this point, they only have two spellcasters, uh, magic users and clerics. Explanation of spells, magical research, and book of spells. So for all intents and purposes, this volume one, Men and Magic, is character creation. Uh, and how... And not really that much on how to use them until you get into certain sections but we'll talk about that later uh, i'm going to read the forward once upon a time long long ago there was a little group known as the castle and crusade society their fantasy rules were published and to this writer's knowledge brought about much of the current interest in fantasy wargaming for a time, the group grew and prospered, and Dave Arneson decided to begin a medieval fantasy campaign game for his active Twin Cities club. 
From the map of the land of the great kingdom and environs the territory of the CNC society, Dave located a nice bog wherein to nest the weird enclave of Blackmore. Some consider that to be the original campaign, uh, pre-Greyhawk. Um, a spot between the great kingdom and the fearsome egg of cool. From the chainmail fantasy rules, he drew ideas for a more complex and exciting game, and thus began a campaign which still thrives as of this writing, so 75. So I think at that point, maybe been gone, going on for five years. Um, there is a really good Amazon film I watched, God, I want to say about a year ago, um, that was about Darkmoor. It was strictly about Darkmoor. And I, forgot the name of it, but if you go to Amazon Prime or if you go to Google, look up the um, uh, the biography or the um, uh, a movie that was made, a documentary that was made about Darkmoor uh, or Blackmoor, you should be able to find it. While it is possible to play a single game unrelated to any other game, events past or future, it is the campaign for which these rules are designed. It is relatively simple to set up a fantasy campaign, and better still, it'll cost almost nothing. I think that's an interesting statement. In fact, you will not even need miniature figures, although their occasional employment, although their occasional employment, is recommended for real spectacle when battles are fought. A quick glance at the equipment section of the booklet will reveal just how little is required. The most extensive requirement is time. Um, I really love that sentence. The most extensive requirement is time. The campaign referee, right? So the campaign referee, they're not even um, calling it a dungeon master at this point. You know, they call it the campaign referee will have to have sufficient time to meet the demands of, of his players. He will have to devote a number of hours to laying out the maps of his dungeons and upper terrain before the affair begins. So it's obviously talking about prep. The third booklet of this set will be of great help in this respect, for a number of helpful suggestions regarding how to accomplish it all have been given in order to help you accomplish the task with a minimum of time and effort. There should be no want of players, for there is unquestionably a fascination in this fantasy game, evidenced even by those who could not be who, who could not by any stretch of the imagination be termed ardent wargamers. The longevity of its existing campaign, campaigns, notably Blackmoor in the Twin Cities and Greyhawk in Lake Geneva. So they're, they're pointing to already kind of a duality of approaches to campaigns. Um, Tactical Studies Rules believes that all forms of wargaming fantasy will soon become the major contender for first place. So at this point, they already know that wargaming's a thing, and now they're starting to define what they think it's going to become. The section of this booklet entitled Scope will provide an, an idea of just how many possibilities are inherent in Dungeons and Dragons. These rules are strictly fantasy. Those wargamers who lack imagination, those who don't care for Burroughs Martian adventures where John Carter is groping through, this is funny, groping through black pits, who feel no thrill upon reading Howard's, can, uh, Howard's uh, Conan saga, who do not enjoy DeCamp and Pratt fantasies of Fritz Lieber's 
uh, Fafard and the Grey Mauser, which Grey Mauser is a major, major component of earlier D&D. Pitting their swords against evil sorceries will not like will not be likely to find Dungeons and Dragons to their taste. But those whose imaginations know no bounds will find that these rules are the answers to their prayers. With this last bit of advice, we invite you to read on and enjoy a world where fantastic is fact and magic really works. E. Period Gary Gygax, Tactical Studies Rules Editor. November 1st, 1973. So the first print would have been in 73, which would have meant chain mail between 69 and 71, writing in 72, and then releasing the first print. My timeline could be way off. I don't know, but it seems like it makes sense. So for this, we're going to finalize the idea of the introduction and, and we'll come to an end on this podcast uh, episode with that. We're gonna look at the introduction. So I think introductions can be very, very interesting because in the forward, I think you get the more personal drive, personal opinion, and the emotional hope of what they were trying for. And then I feel like um, the introduction is now going to talk about the expectation of the rules. And then when we, uh, in the next episode, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the scope, the equipment, preparation, um, the characters, and we'll get a little bit more into the next couple of pages of their focus of character creation and talk about that. So for now, here's the introduction, page four. These rules, see, and this is where the first sentence already tells me that they already knew at the beginning of the creation of this, that there are always going to be challenges with rules. These rules are as complete as possible within the limitations imposed by the space of three booklets. That is, they cover the major aspects of fantasy campaigns, but still remain flexible. As with any other set of miniature rule, miniatures rules, they are guidelines to follow in designing your own fantastic medieval campaign. They provide the framework. Framework, over 40 years ago, folks. Framework. Framework, something that I wholeheartedly believe is the most important aspect of any game by approaching it from a framework perspective and then incorporating things from that point. Um, just personal passion of mine. Um, they provide the framework around which you will build a game of simplicity or tremendous complexity. So once again, stating, Look at the group, look at the table. Is it a group that would be you know, more positive towards simple gaming or is it a group that may prefer complexity? Your time and imagination about the only limiting factors and the fact that you have purchased these rules tends to indicate there is no lack of imagination. The fascination of the game will tend to make participants find more and more time. We advise, however, that a campaign be begun slowly following the steps outlined herein so as to avoid becoming too bogged down with unfamiliar details at first. Sounds a lot like what we use Zero Session for now. You know, that slow introduction of the basics and then the gradual rolling out of the campaign. The way your campaign will build naturally at the pace best suited to the referee. Second time we've heard referee. I haven't heard DM yet. I've just heard referee. And players smoothing the way for all concerned. New details can be added and old laws altered 
so as to provide continually new arid different situations. Oh, that's a typo. And somebody put a dot over that. Uh, continually new and different situations. In addition, the players themselves will interact in such a way as to make the campaign variable and unique. And this is quite desirable. So even going all the way back in history, we're talking about the importance of the players. The players from this introduction, halfway through this introduction, already tells me how important it is going to be for the game. The fact that they call the referee the referee of the campaign tells me that they already felt that the referee was going to be more of a resolver of issues. They're not necessarily calling them a narrator, so at this point the referee is guiding the players. The more the players play, the easier the referee's job is because it's the it's the way the players involve themselves which are going to help the game play its way out. If you are a player purchasing the Dungeons & Dragons rules in order to improve your situation in an existing campaign, you will find that there is a great advantage in knowing what is herein. If your referee, referee once again, if your referee has made changes in the basic rules and or tables, simply note them in pencil. For who knows when some flux of the cosmos will make things shift once again. And keep the rules nearby as you play. Quick check of some rule or table may bring hidden treasures or, sa or, or save your game life. Men and Magic Volume 1 details what characters can be played, potential limitations, and various magical spells. Monsters and Treasures Volume 2 describes the beasts and creatures which will be encountered, as well as any kind of amount of treasure they are likely to guard, including magical items. Finally, the Underworld and Wilderness Adventures. So I got to make a correction. I have volume one and three. Sorry, I thought I had two. I have volume one and three. I'm looking for two. Sorry about that. I'm not going to edit that out. I fucked it up. So uh, a bad note taken on my part. Sorry. Um, so I'm missing number two, which is Monsters and Treasures. I have number three, um, which is the Underworld and Wilderness Adventures. And... Volume 3 tells how to set up and actual, um, actually play the campaign, which makes sense because when I was young, 1 in um, one in 3 felt right to me. I could make up the rest. I could make up monsters. I could make up treasure. I could make up magic items, which I pretty much do to this day. It might have been why I only bought the those two books. Um, it is presented last in order to allow uh, the reader to gain the perspective necessary the understanding of the two preceding booklets. Read through the entire work in the order presented before you attempt to play. So when you think about the forward in the introduction, and I'll wrap this episode up, um, and when we come back next time, uh, we are going to tackle uh, scope, equipment, and preparations for the campaign. Um, so for the most part, we did quick history review talked about the three volumes the writers the some of the original history and origins and take it for what you i'm reading this verbatim for a reason because i want people to hear the mindset of the writing i want i want people to understand what they were writing and why they wrote what they wrote um that is not saying it was right um opinions will always allow us to determine if we think something was right or wrong so you know, once again, that perspective is that perspective. I think as, you know, cultures change, things change. 
and successful use of this game means that you're able to change with the changing culture. But I do find it interesting that they refer to everything as a referee. Um, they talk about playing it cheaply or with very little money required to play it. They talk about, um, you know, the very first two campaigns being um, uh, Blackmore um, and uh, Greyhawk, which already, you, you know, the campaign theory is going to play out heavily through the evolutionist game. And the reason why I think it's important to read this is that if you really think about the forward and introduction at this point, all they've really established is that they're developing a rule set for miniature game playing, well, for role playing where miniatures are needed maybe every once in a while. They're not saying they have to be used all the time, which is, I think, something that really played into the development of this game for them. Um, and that there's a lot of simple things you need. But I really think the most important thing is the difference between players and referees. There was no dungeon master. There was no, like all that curriculum came later. Those labels came later. They viewed the role of the person creating the campaign purely as a referee. And they viewed the most important part of the game as the players. Which, if you're a study of 5e, which I am, that's kind of where we are again. I feel more narrative and I'm very much more of a referee narrative and I have a lot of freedom to create the world, but without those good players, without those players that get involved and really immerse themselves in your world, I mean, let's be honest, you're not going to have a game or let's be transparent. Honest means I was lying. Um, so yeah. So when we come back, we're going to tackle scope equipment and preparations for the campaign. Um, but for now, yeah, that was uh, that was basically the uh, forward and introduction. Hey, uh, if I missed anything, uh, hit me up in the Discord, leave some comments, um, or visit my socials, leave some comments there if you want to. I love talking to people about this game and all other games related to tabletop. Like I said, what was stated earlier still holds true. Um, in order for me to continue doing this as a living and bring this kind of fun um, activity and uh, opportunity to talk about the history of the game, um, over here at the TTRPG Academy, um, would love donations. That would be very helpful. Um, I know it's hard times for everybody right now, uh, but if you find this helpful and interesting when you're passing your work day or driving in your traffic or just you know sitting at your desk and typing away at emails and you'd like to have a little bit of something in the background to keep you company, um, we try to do that here as much as we can. So um, with that, as I always say when I close out, be safe. Be kind and play a game. It's good for your mental health. See you next time. Or I will uh, 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 talk to you next time.